This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Joy Challenge. Discover the ancient secret to experiencing worry-defeating, circumstance-defying happiness. Written by pastor and best-selling author Randy Frazee and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. Brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. My name is Kimberly Cook, and I'm the Assistant Director here at the Hendrick Center. And today, we're going to be talking about fashion and theology. I'm so excited. I really like fashion. Um, we are joined by two other people that I think really find it at least interesting or like it. We're joined by <laughs> Jacob Taylor, who is a DTS student and fashion designer with uh, Jacob Taylor Design. It's nice to have you here, Jacob. Thanks for having me. And we're also here, at, or joined, by uh, Re- Robert, I always want to call you Roberto, <laughs> by Robert Cavolo. I, I say it in my head all the time, so there you go. Robert. You know, my dad called me Roberto because <laughs> really? um, we're of Italian stock, so. Perfect. Uh, my wife's from Mexico, so you're not far off. Maybe oh. that's maybe that's why, Cavolo. It just seems like it should be Roberto Cavolo. Anyway, Robert Cavolo, who is the director of the Pastoral Residency Center at Christ Church Sierra Madre. He's got a lot of titles. Uh, director of of vocational discipleship at the Center for Faith and Work in Los Angeles. He is adjunct faculty at Fuller teaching a course on fashion theology. And he was previously on faculty at uh, the Tory Honors Institute at at Biola. So he is ultimately I, I don't know, credible? Yeah. <laughs> I'd say so. <laughs> but thank you so much for being here, Robert. We really appreciate your presence and the everything that we know you're going to bring to this conversation. Thank you. It's a delight to be here. Awesome. All right. So let's just get started. This is a topic that a lot of people don't think should be um, combined, fashion and theology. Those are two separate things that are either, it seems, opposed to one another or at least neutral to one another and just kind of exist in the same world. (laughs) But they don't really interact. Um, Obviously, by the topic of this podcast, we don't think that that's true. We think that there are there is important reflection to be had in this area. So how did you all? end up thinking about living in and considering the relationship between fashion and theology. So let's start with Jacob, and then we'll move to Robert. Um, I grew up in Europe for about eight years of my life, and I caught the fashion bug there. Um, I became aware of quality, the differences Mm -hmm. in quality of fashion there. Um, I was cross-sected at that time with English uh, couture. Haute couture is the full phrase, and I was blown away at seven. <laughs> and the rest is history. It probably has taken over my about half my existence, you know. And again, I love it. And when you love something, it's never work, never work, never, never, never work. So. And so, how did you end up being a DTS student, having that interest? You know, because that sounds like okay. Well, that makes sense that you have your own brand, design right. brand. But how did you end up here at DTS and thinking about theology? Well, I was in California. Um, well, my, my my background is that I am a pastor's son, so I was aware of God and those things like that. And I knew that I needed to become equipped 
Uh, and so my wife and I were living in Anaheim, California, just a year and a half, about a year and three months ago. And we answered a call from a local well-known pastor here in this area. And um, flash, bang, boom, I'm here. And I'm taking up a degree that really speaks to my heart uh, and men as well. Um, also being a veteran, that's kind of my focus as a student here. But that's what took me here is to answer the call to help equip and build men mm. uh, for the service of the Lord in various applications. My personal loves have been tools that have been utilized to draw men, but for sure to assist and partner with the Lord to do that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's how I ended up at DC, uh, <laughs> DTS. <laughs> Fantastic. Robert, how did you end up thinking? You've written a whole book on it. You teach class on fashion theology. How did you end up thinking about this area? Well, I was a college pastor uh, in Long Beach, not far from uh, Anaheim, where Jacob was. And uh, they had a large fashion studies program there. And I had nothing to say to my fashion mm. studies students. I could I could talk about how Christianity interacts with psychology or mm. the sciences, you name it. But I, I didn't know what to tell these students. And so... Um, you know, I, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord of everything mm-hmm. and that Jesus matters to everything and mm-hmm. everything matters in relationship to Jesus. So I was just curious. Um, I had family that were in the industry. There was a lot of people in my church that also had uh, fashion lines. Um, but there was one more piece, and that is that one day my daughter, um, I think she was like four or five, found an old pillowcase and she had created a, a gown. Oh. Uh, it was really cute. But I just thought to myself, how is it that this is such an essential part of who we are before we become rational, before we become really thinking mm. beings, we want to interact with this. And what does this tell us about our humanity? And so my mind, I just had a lot of questions and I didn't know where to begin. And yeah. so I began exploring fashion studies and I did that as a theologian. Um, and so I'll add one more thing. I, I had to do a writing sample uh, because all my writing samples were terrible to try to get in a PhD program in theology. <laughs> and, and so I, uh, I picked up, um, an essay by Abraham Kuyper mm-hmm. and in it, it was a, it was an essay that was written, I think in 1867. Uh, and it was on the relationship between fashion and secularization. Mm-hmm. And here was a theologian, you know, in 1867, talking about the importance of fashion and how we need to take fashion serious if we're going to be Christians in the modern period. Mm. And I was spellbound. So all those things kind of came together and just kind of exploded this interest in studying fashion as a Christian and as someone that wants to help equip the church to, um, to engage this important area mm-hmm. of, of culture. Mm. That, we, that every single one of us, hopefully, engages every single day. You know, like we all wear clothes pretty much every day. So it's a relevant thing. (laughs) No, and and to your point about your your daughter, you know, like it's it it is. It's just ingrained in us. And I you know, the fact that there hasn't been more reflection is interesting to me, especially with the level of interest, you know, for both men and women. There are a lot of people who are interested in fashion and it just never seems to combine. So, okay, so for those who would be listening who are still hanging with us <laughs> and they say okay fashion isn't my favorite thing in the world but you know have a daughter that really cares i have a, a wife that really cares i have you know i i have you know these people in my ministry that i know are aware of it 
tell me how you know this is, sounds incredibly pejorative but tell me how to take them seriously because you know i have a hard time taking this seriously robert what would you say to them i guess i would start off by saying um that our culture takes fashion incredibly serious mm. so if you're going to try to engage our culture uh it's just if you were a missionary you know if you mm -hmm. if you are that far removed from the world of fashion that you have to look at it from the outside at least have the heart of a missionary mm. that wants to understand and reach especially your children but i would say that uh when you look at the history of christianity if you don't take fashion uh serious you're kind of out of step and this was a big shock for me mm. was when i read through you know i'm uh, through the whole scope of Christian uh, history, I was shocked by how many Christian theologians took fashion incredibly serious mm. and thought it was a, an important subject. And even before the rise of fashion, what we'd call modern fashion, even as far back as in the fifth century and in even the late fourth century, you have St. Augustine talking mm -hmm. about how incredibly important clothing is. Mm. Um, and so I guess I would say this is, I guess I would say that uh, you're a little out of step. Like mm -hmm. you need to understand that we have a, a theological inheritance right. um, that's gone before us that has shown, uh, at least taken very serious, the role of dress and and then when fashion emerges, the role of fashion. Um, so then I would finally just say uh, that um, that once you actually start to understand what fashion is, I think you would take it serious. When you start mm -hmm. to see all the different ways fashion intersects as an art form, as a form of communication, the way it shapes our social realities, the way it shapes social power, the way it influences uh, politics, the way in which it opens up democracy. I think that part of that kind of like, I don't know, I don't care. I think that actually that some of that is just simply, I just don't know. Hmm. And that's okay. You know, I didn't know. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> Jacob, what would you add? Building upon Robert's foundation, completely accurate. Um, it is important. I take it to, oh man, the Bible. I just think about how detailed God is and how specific he was in building the priest's uh, outfit and then having gone to Israel and saw it on display. And I was like, man, that breastplate is beautiful. I could see that on a leather jacket. <laughs> That's kind of kind of how my brain works. But then I'm learning languages and I've been immersed in the languages of the Bible pretty much all my life. But I was like, and as Christianity and my faith became an actual central love of my life, Christ became a love of my life, I figured, how can I marry all my loves? I loved uh, performing. I loved drawing. I loved sneakers. You know, mm -hmm. I, I blame a certain basketball player who played for the Red Oxen of Chicago. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I just thought, how can I marry all my loves? And it came to me one day when I put the word uh, father or ab. Uh, I drew out, I went into my little commentary that was on my dad's shelf, and I just drew the shoe first, and then drew that, and then drew a shield around it, and then drew a hovering crown. And it just, the rest was history. But mm -hmm. why it should be taken seriously, because again, as Robert said, it conveys, it communicates a thing. When people say the statement, this particular outfit says this, from presidential to artsy, you know, mm -hmm stars and things like that, if they want to say a thing of how they feel about themselves without saying what they feel, mm -hmm. they'll say it with an outfit. Mm -hmm. um, I thought, I think of an R&B artist who shall remain nameless, but she once showed up in an outfit full of mirrors, 
full of mirrors. And I was thinking, what is she saying? <laughs> what is she saying? And, and it's up for debate, obviously, because it's in her particular inspiration, whatever led her or somebody around her said, I think this would be the time for you to wear this because it will say this to the world. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was messaging and the heart and some of my inspirations as a designer were definitely would say the same thing. They would say, how you feel goes into what you do, and it's conveyed in the world, from color choice to material choice to symbols you come up with, decorative elements, all of those things, they directly speak and agree with what Robert says. It's important from almost day seven of creation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, and so I, I think that's why you should take it seriously because, it, again, it's so interwoven in our general culture at large and then very, to varying degrees expressed very powerfully in different types of cultures, you know, for different messaging, different distinguishing mm-hmm. uh, messages, royalty versus nobles uh, versus commons mm-hmm. versus, you know, that kind of thing. So, so, so you mentioned um, the seventh day of creation. <laughs> and... Uh, thinking, turning to think biblically about clothing and Genesis and, you know, we see Genesis or I'm sorry, we see clothing showing up in Genesis and um, it doesn't necessarily have a great connotation there, I believe, at least, you know, around three. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Chapter three. And going through scripture and I like even as I was preparing for this I kind of you know I wasn't like really digging in but I was kind of thinking of all of the passages that I could think of that had to do with dress or um, even culture because that really gets into this conversation too you know how we how we interact with the culture you know the the passage about women not having fine apparel or intricate hairstyles you know all of that how do we, one, what do you all see in scripture with regard to dress, um, both negative and positive, with its statements about negative and positive? Let's start there. Uh, Jacob, why don't we start with you? What do you see? You know, the first outfits, you know, that were not uh, constructed by man were made of leather. So, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> um, but it was, uh, it was. Oh, how do you say this? I'll take the positive element. Um, and I'll take it and I'll partner it with messaging again. Positively speaking, you wanna convey how you feel and where you're at, one way or another. Whether it's your face, <laughs> whether it's mm-hmm. a color, whether it's a thing. But if you take it to scripture, I think about Aaron and Eli and all of the priests, I like to go there and have the royal, um, the royal composition, the stones on the breastplate and how God selected them and told them specific things what to do. I think my thought about what God was attempting to do by allowing it to be recorded was telling a few things, how detailed he is and how much he likes variety mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and the intent where it leads you to think we call it aspiration or inspiration or pointing deriving messaging positively speaking i think the creator intended us to understand that part of ourselves 
by referring to scripture and seeing when he exerted his creativity mm. in designing concepts, designing empirical things like the earth. I mean, the earth is amazing. Mm. The universe, all of it, the grand designer knows what he's doing. <laughs> so, go. Well, even to your point about uh, messaging, it, though it's a negative message, um, Genesis 3, when God creates that, it still says something. It does. It, it is very explicitly communicating something, Some. the fact that they had to, you know, wear the clothing and all right. of that. Robert, what would you add with regard to scripture and what where we it, see scripture, uh, clothing in scripture? Yeah, I think if you take the, the scope of the biblical narrative, clothing is placed in an incredibly positive light. To be right. found naked is a metaphor for deprivation mm -hmm. in scripture. And mm -hmm. so you see the Proverbs 31 woman, who not only knows how to dress her house, but they look great. They're all dressed mm -hmm. in red. It gets into the detail, like <laughs> they're decked out. When they leave the house, people know they're taken care of. You know, you've got Isaiah 60, 11, he clothes us in robes of righteousness. And actually Jesus Christ himself, we are to be clothed in Christ. We are commanded mm. to put on Jesus Christ. And when you come to the story of Genesis, I think oftentimes uh, having studied the history of theology, it's easy for us to see clothing emerging as a part of the fall. Mm. But I believe that actually, when you wanna understand the logic of fashion, the logic of dress, we'll say, it actually begins the first time they're seeing and being seen. So when Adam sees Eve and Eve sees Adam, and there's a declaration and expl explosion of poetry, it's that activity of seeing and being seen that is the very logic of dress. And that's why we take it serious. Mm -hmm. And the fall is actually where we see the corruption of that logic, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that we need to be a part of that corruption, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. That God wants to redeem the way that we see and are seen. Um, so of course, you know, and, and so you can really follow the whole, uh, you can do a biblical theology of clothing from Genesis to Revelation. I'm halfway through a book that does that. I'm hoping to get that out this next year. Um, so, but I think there's just so much good stuff in the Bible. We could talk about the beautiful wedding dress and, and, and I think it's Psalm 22, 23, no, Psalm, the, the psalmist talks about the beautiful wedding dress or, you know, there's all these things that kind of speak very positively of clothing. So right. there is this passage that talks about, uh, women not showing up to church services and being a distraction mm -hmm. and being right. focused, uh, losing their focus. Um, but the very fact that you can lose focus just simply shows the significance and the importance of dress. It doesn't diminish it. Absolutely. It just says that there's a time and a place and there is such a thing. And I think there is such a thing as dressing appropriately, hospitably, a way that invites the kind of conviviality. Mm -hmm. I love that word, conviviality um, in social settings, right? I just got married um, a month ago. And I tried to dress nice. My bride looked amazing. People showed up dressed up. And it lifted and elevated the whole experience. This was a sacred time. And by all of us dressing collectively, there was a grand conviviality that really glorified and honored the Lord. Mm -hmm. So um, so I think that the biblical message is, is, is really interesting. And uh, it, here's one. Go through the narrative arc of the story of, of um, Joseph and yeah. just see every single turn in the story hinges on what he's wearing. Or look at all the different changes and outfits for Jesus. Jesus right. wears lots of different, he's swaddled, he's got a crown of thorns. So these are really, the Bible's fascinating when it comes to clothing. Hmm. And it gives a very interesting message that has lots of different pieces to it. So you, hmm. you made reference to it's 
that <clears throat> that you know just like all of the rest of creation it has fallen and it can be fallen um and i guess my question in hearing and i'm hearing the the theological themes that you're bringing out i agree with them but i also see a lot in church history but even in some of those passages about you know the lilies of the field you know arraying themselves and we don't need to worry about that and you know like uh i mean you i guess you had you did talk about the the women sorry i'm going back to my notes um but it's you know it seems like you know we've we're told not to love the world and uh, or things in the world and that kind of thing. So I do think that there is a question that arises, especially if you're taking seriously, you know, your suggestion that this does seem to be a very positive theological, you know, theme that we need to reflect on. The question is, okay, but it seems like in the redemption of it, it seems like, um, a lot of the instruction and the tradition has been to minimize it and to uh, elevate simplicity. Mm. That doesn't necessarily mean that there's not thought behind it. It doesn't mean that they don't value, that we don't value it, but it does seem like simplicity has been elevated. Mm. Um, just certainly by John Wesley and <laughs> by Tertullian, like you talk about in your book, um, but also, you know, in some of these passages. So. What are your thoughts? Robert, I'm going to start with you. All right. You threw out a lot of, a sorry, lot of different questions. Sorry, I did. <laughs> um, the, the main question being, how do we answer, if we are trying to embrace all of those good things yeah. about theology, or I'm sorry, about clothing and theological truths about clothing that you're suggesting and I agree with, what do we do with what seems like a push against valuing? that in, in a tangible way now, like as we're practically living life. Yeah, so loving the world uh, is, the world there is not the creation, right? The world there is the entire world system mm. that ignores and neglects God mm. and attempts to find its meaning within finite creation and mm. therefore elevates finite things to the place of the creator. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the gift of creation, I think that there's a place for celebrating and rejoicing in all the color and texture and taste and form and beauty of this world, which we find out will one day be redeemed and elevated in the New Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And so um, to be a Christian is not to be some kind of um, aesthetic that, uh, um, uh, you know, um, just rejects any kind of pleasure. Um, there is a place for, and we do find this in the theological witness, Aquinas is really good about this. There is a place for moderation. Mm -hmm. um, you can throw yourself into something in a way that's out of balance. Right. That said, Jacob is a fashion designer and this is his vocation. Mm -hmm. So he should be focusing and spending a lot of time in ways that maybe I shouldn't be because it's not my primary vocation is to design clothing. That's not what I'm focusing on. Right. So we also need to recognize that people have different kind of callings within the body mm. and allow for that. And there are some people that are called to a very simple lifestyle. And we need to also elevate that as a good thing right. um, and allow them also to be a part of the body of Christ and not say that there's only one way to approach this. The reality is clothing is so unique and multifaceted mm. that we should expect multiple ways in which people within our communities respond and decide to honor Christ in this in this sphere. Jacob, what would you add? 
again, <laughs> building on that appropriate balance um, assessment. It, Robert's right. I, 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 the only way I could be a fashion designer as a vocation or by one of my vocations is the fact that I surrendered it to the gospel. I had to allow it, and the Lord had to instill it in me through the lens of my Christianity, or I wouldn't do it. Because then it's not, to me, it's a waste of time. Because mm -hmm. it would be a love that would take my heart away from Him, and it would be something I would build a name for myself, mm -hmm. which is totally what I didn't want to do. Because I had seen the perils uh, play out of people who, in various different fields, built names for themselves mm -hmm. and that castle fell that empire crumbled <laughs> and you know and great was the fall thereof but i surrendered it to the gospel and said okay lord what was your intention behind fashion or dress and growing up in europe helped me from a practical uh, immersive standpoint to do just that and then growing up in england specifically monarchy Mm -hmm. Even if it's just figurehead and name only, do you see how they get down when they walk Buckingham Palace? <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, and so it says, again, messaging, I believe God intended to say something from his heart through every concept he has revealed to us. And whatever that message is, it's his honor. It's his glory to conceal it. It's our honor to discover it. And that's where I start. And so I sit with him to gain any design I get and say, what do you want to say through my hands and what mm. comes on this paper? And, you know, and it's in its prayer before doing it and not almost allow whatever he comes in, he messages through whatever. I, it could be out of my devotion or whatever. And it's a real thing. But again, it's surrendered to the gospel and appropriate balance. Like, you know, Robert said, you we're not over focusing on it as some replacement for the, you know, for the Lord, at least not in balanced Christianity or balanced Christendom, as they say. But it really matters where your heart is when you engage in anything you do. Hmm. And so for us, you know, we are seeking to honor God with the things that he has created. I mean, kajillion, bajillion ways to honor him that don't conflict with his character. And he just absorbs it. Sweet smelling sacrifice. Ah, oh, I'm getting that out of his life because I put it in him to reap a harvest. That out of her life. Ah, oh, yes, reaping harvest. This is one of my offerings to the Lord is my fashion design. I surrender every project from the naming of it to the material choice to the texture, uh, to colors, to the finish, what I want the finished product to say. Then I ask the question in prayer, Lord, is this what you were? Is this it? Hmm. And he's just that involved. Just that involved. So, yep. This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Grieve, Breathe, Receive, Finding a Faith Strong Enough to Hold Us, written and narrated by Pastor Steve Carter. Grieve, Breathe, Receive. Those three words became a profound mantra for Steve Carter during a season of deep healing the kind that comes after painful trauma. Grieve, Breathe, Receive is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Visit thomasnelson.com audio to learn more. So you mentioned um, Aquinas, Robert, and 
and what he said uh, uh, with regard to temperance. What other uh, historical voices are there that help inform how we should think about fashion or have at least spoken into it? Because you said there were a variety of yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, you got to get the book. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot there. I will, I will do that, Robert. I will do that. <laughs> uh, an interesting one is, is uh, Karl Barth, who mm-hmm. um, really wants to understand how fashion um, can uh, be conscripted into larger kind of like um, systems of power and oppression. And uh, he kind of is the patron saint of uh um, going against sweatshops, you know, mm. <laughs> like mm. amazing how much Bart kind of saw that going on. Um, and, uh, but if you go back to Calvin, you want to talk about someone that believes in simplicity. Calvin tried, mm-hmm. you know, if Luther is the priesthood of believers, Calvin's the monkhood of believers, you know? Um, and yet John Calvin, interestingly enough, had incredibly positive things to say about God's good gift in giving us clothing. Mm. And that there's something that dignifies and elevates, um, our humanity and that we can recognize that. So, um, you know, St. Augustine, uh, who it might, you know, when I started doing this fashion theory research, I studied with the top fashion theorists over in the UK, is a guy named Malcolm Bernard. He's an atheist. And he was shocked that a theologian went to study with him. Hmm. And he kept telling me, what you need to do is you need to write a, a book that shows how fashion and theology have nothing in common. <laughs> And so I was open to that. I was open to just, I just simply, I wasn't trying to fit them together, make them work. I just wanted to tell a true story. Mm. And Mm. what I came to discover, which was so amazing, is that there has been such an overwhelming amount of conversation by theologians, very positively too, not always. There's, um, uh, you know, Tertullian, who I'm, I I like Tertullian in some ways, but I'm not a fan of his theology of culture. I think it's, Mm -hmm. uh, if Tertullian would have got his way, you would be wearing a hijab right now because, um, (laughs) in North Africa during his era, women were dressing the same way that Muslim women dress. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's not an Islamic distinctive. That's actually a North African distinctive Mm -hmm. that got pulled up and spread into worldwide Islam. Mm -hmm. And he was arguing that all women should be covered from head to toe with little tiny, you know, Mm -hmm. isolates. And, um, and so but thank the Lord, his theology of culture lost, and Augustine, whose theology of culture won, um, actually talks about, uh, I, I call him the first fashion theorist. He mm. actually talks about how fashion works as a complex uh, form of communication within advanced societies mm-hmm. um, in the fifth century. So um, I had to tell my my poor uh, professor that um, in spite of his idea that Christianity has nothing to do with fashion, we actually were at the party first, and uh, theologians were the first fashion theorists. So sure, he appreciated um, and, that. And right. He gave a he gave a, a good review of the book too, which uh, was very very kind of him. So yeah, so I, I just think get the book. But there's but there is really it's really quite shocking how serious um, Christians have taken dress mm-hmm. and clothing, and uh, and not in a way that's you know. Um, uh, you know, uh, Dower or something like that. Hmm. Another favorite thinker is uh, Calvin Searfield, who um, is a Christian philosopher, and uh, he's written quite a bit about the joy of dress hmm. and how there can be a great. We can have, we can express it. And I hear when I hear Jacob, I hear him talking about the joy he right. finds mm-hmm. in his creativity and being able to p- put this together in these designs. And there is a place for great joy in uh, in getting dressed, and we can add a little bit of um, joy into other people's lives when we think about, because they have to look at us. 
you know, when, when we dress, other people have to look at us. What are we going to do to them? Are we going to make it like a downer that they have to look at? Are we going to make it interesting and fun? To respect, and, at least. <laughs> respect, right. maybe, yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Can I add to that? Absolutely. That is, that is amazing. Um, so building upon that, and again, he mentioned Augustine, and, and I was thinking back to just how exactly it developed for me. There was the initial spark by just seeing the a couple of the runway shows in England, and I'm, at that time, <laughs> dating myself, Calvin Klein was pairing double-breasted suit jackets with jeans. <gasps> you know, <laughs> it's like the most phenomenal thing ever in the '80s. They were like, "Whoa, has this ever been done?" Like, go, go search the House of Common, um, you know, archives. We normally wear white wigs. I don't, <laughs> you know. So, but uh, to take it to pop culture, one of my favorite movies. Uh, um, you know, I, I won't mention it, but the protagonist is an amazing actress. And the and her antagonist, turn protagonist, is also an amazing actress. She's legendary. But uh, the movie talked about how there was a snide comment made by the protagonist and the co-protagonist stopped everything. In the track, stopped the photo shoot, stopped everything and said, huh, you think it's just blue, huh? Do you understand how this process came to be? Even that blue sweater you're wearing. As she goes down this, not a rant, an educational moment <laughs> that mm -hmm. taught the protagonist a lesson not to you do not ever disregard the effort, the labor, the pieces of the puzzle, the supply chain, the delivery all the way down to what influenced her to choose that blue sweater that she showed up to work late for and had the nerve to actually say something. <laughs> you, may know, you may know the name of the movie, but it, that movie spoke to me in ways, you know, m a lot of other things couldn't. And so I took that as a further affirmation of that I was doing the right thing. Hmm. You know. So with that in mind, how do I, as a regular person mm -hmm. who took a blue sweater out of the closet this morning, <laughs> how do I allow this conversation mm. to impact what I choose to wear, what I buy, what what do I do with this? Okay, that's great. There, there have been lots of people throughout history that have talked about, you know, why Christians should care about dress because it's part of the world. And, you know, if I'm cynical, I might even say that's because they just wanted to control everything. You know, um, I don't think that that's true. Right, right. I'm getting a PhD in theology. I love theologians. Um, <laughs> but, you know, let, let's take the cynical route. Uh, what, how does all of this impact what I do, what I buy, what I wear? What would you say, Jacob? One way or another, Dress is a means of expression personally first. No matter who you are, where you are in this world, no matter what gender, you know, man or woman, you're going to dress how you feel. I, I grew up in the 90s, and the goth movement and the grunge movement blew up, you know, on the heels of certain influential people that just dressed a certain way. Their idea towards their fashion might have been eh, but people thought, if, I, if I'm going to buy into this mindset, I need to dress like that. Mm -hmm. It'll say the same thing that I'm picking up from this person or persons or famous people. So it's actually undeniable. And, and, and what we hope to do, what I hope to do is kind of help people take a different look at why they made the choices, 
fashion-wise, Christian or non-Christian. And, for instance, blue. We are surrounded by blue every day. Green and brown, earth tones, hit us every day. That was God's choice. Why? We are, I don't know why the sky's blue. It could have been emerald. It could have been magenta. But he made it blue. There's studies that show that uh, blue is one of the most aesthetically pleasing mm-hmm. and mood-calming colors. I was going to say calming, yeah. Yeah, mood-calming colors. And so it influences you whether you want it to or not. You may choose to do something that helps you express your calm mood. So you may have chosen that blue based on that. Oh, this is how I'm feeling today. And then there you go. And then piecing it together, that's you know another expression of your creativity, whether you would gauge yourself as creative or not. Yeah, that's how I would hope it would affect someone is to take a, another look f- through a different lens and say, well, am I influenced? The question you're probably, the answer you probably find is yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and is this influence bad? Hmm. Or is it enriching? I would err toward the side of enriching. Mm-hmm. What would you say, Robert? First, I just want to say I really like Jacob's answer. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, it, it is a way of informing ourselves about uh, and also bringing kind of things to the surface sometimes. Right. Um, and uh, and I would say that um, as you think about your day and what you're going to do that day, just ask this question, how can I show respect and how can I show hospitality and mm. warmth and how can I bless the people that I'm going to be interacting with today? And sometimes that means you're going to be building a house, you know, maybe for the poor. Well, put on your grungies, you know, <laughs> come on now, you know. Um, but maybe it means that you're going to have a meeting with somebody. I, I, I can see that you took some time to get dressed today and it elevates this <laughs> event. Amazing. Yeah. And, house too. <laughs> yeah. Also, I would say, um, you know, one of the themes that uh, throughout all the theological witness kept coming up again and again is that the reason why we are captivated by dress, it, one of the reasons is that it gives us hope for our bodies. Mm. And we are people of the resurrection. Amen. And we believe that, you know, our bodies are going to be one day so glorious. C.S. Lewis says that people would be tempted to worship us <laughs> if they saw us now. <laughs> we'll give a little bit of a clue that that's mm. the future of your body. Mm. Like mm. step into a little bit just to inform yourself, remind yourself, like, you know what? This is passing away. One day I'm going to explode from the grave. Mm. I'm going to be raised to new life and I am going to be filled with glory. And I'm going to at least get outside of my fuddy duddies just to remind myself (laughs) today (laughs) that I have resurrection hope. And so dress for yourself. But also if you kind of take it a little serious and you step it up, who knows? People might say, you look nice today. You said, yeah, no, I've got a great future in front of me. Mm. It could be a chance for you to let people know about the hope you have. Mm. So there's lots of reasons, lots of ways that we can approach it, but it's definitely a vehicle for us to honor the Lord. And yeah, you can get all crazy and spend all your money, you know, on clothing and, you know, you can do that with anything. Be obsessed you know? with it. We're not saying yeah. that. Yeah. But we are saying the, that this is a, this is a wonderful avenue in which we can honor Christ and um, and show that Jesus Christ is Lord. Well, and, and to y'all's points, I think um, I really liked what you said about the color <laughs> with um, the world and all that. You know, I think we could go, we might go somewhere else with that. But uh, I even think of just as you're trying to encourage people and even thinking about it yourself, it um, it's what I'm hearing you all say is that it is a form of communication, whether whether you like it or not, you're right. communicating something. Right. 
And so you need to be aware of the communication. Mm-hmm. And as an ambassador of Christ, which all of us are, you are communicating something about the kingdom. Right. Whether or not, and and to your point, Robert, then you know, embrace that, like <laughs> the resurrection, the right. coming kingdom as well, I and love embrace that, Robert. it. Love it. Uh, but also recognizing that the inescapable fact is that you are also um, impacting the economy. But because what you buy does matter because it it has true economic impact. And Mm -hmm. so maybe perhaps even thinking through to your point about what Carl Bart was saying, Robert, you know, thinking about what you purchase. And to your point, Mm -hmm. um, I almost called you Robert again. (laughs) That's fine. I'll answer (laughs) to to your point, Jacob. It's good. I was going to say, say, because you're Roberto in my mind. So he's Robert. (laughs) I can be Jacob. No, but to to your point, Jacob, um, I mean, I totally lost track of my my train of thought. But, uh, oh, that, that what, what we communicate is often pointing to something else. And so your, your, your economics are supporting, you know, that design, that brand, that store, that, you know, way of life, all of that. And so not only are you communicating those things, you're actually supporting them. them. And so we have to think through that as well. Yes, well, I could talk about this all day, and I probably haven't engaged y'all's statements as much as I should have as a host because I'm just sitting here like, mm, yeah, that's true. Oh, I like that. <laughs> so thank you all for being willing to chat about this with Absolutely. me. It's nice to fe- meet other believers who see this and, and see it as an important dimension of our life, our communication, our place in this world, and as um, believers and followers of Jesus. So I just really appreciate your time. Thank you, Robert, for being here with us. Thank you, Robert. Thank thank you you. so much. Jacob, I want to connect after this thing. Absolutely. (laughs) Man, you were reading my mind. (laughs) And we want to thank you who have been listening. Thank you for joining us today on the table. Please uh, just subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app and leave us an honest review. It really does help more people discover these conversations. And we hope that you will join us next time when we discuss issues of God and culture. Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth. Love well. This episode is brought to you in part by the Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries podcast. Do you want to grow in your influence? Bow's episodes feature tips for leaders of any kind, from mentoring one woman to leading a ministry. Browse Bow's podcast at beyondordinarywomen.com dot org.